The Ascension is the Rodney Dangerfield of Church Holy Days. It gets no respect. Falling between the spectacular resurrection of Easter and the dramatic arrival of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, it is the easily overlooked introverted little sibling. We don't even give the Ascension a Sunday for crying out loud. It is commemorated on a Thursday. 40 days after Easter, a reference to the 40 days that we're told Jesus spent with his disciples following his resurrection. So I'm grateful that in year A, this year, of the three-year lectionary cycle, the seventh Sunday of Easter, today, includes the account of Jesus' ascension from Acts of the Apostles. It is my intent this morning to redeem the importance of the ascension. It was certainly important to our church forebears who included it in our earliest creeds, our earliest confessions of faith. But more than its importance in our tradition, I believe the ascension is important to understanding how we have been redeemed by God and how we are called to live out our discipleship. Luke, the author of the gospel as well as Acts, is the only evangelist who gives us a detailed account of Jesus' ascension. In today's passage, the disciples are with Jesus at Mount Olivet, the Mount of Olives, on the eastern edge of Jerusalem. He's just told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. So the disciples are primed to think that God is about to act mightily. Lord, is this the time that you will restore the kingdom of Israel, they ask? It is somewhat disheartening, isn't it, that even after the miracle of the resurrection, even after the resurrected Jesus teaches them about the kingdom of God for 40 days, the disciples are still looking for a win that moves Israel to the top of the geopolitical heap right here and now. But Jesus quickly redirects them. That is not yours to know. But you will receive power from the Holy Spirit, and you will be my witnesses here into the ends of the earth. These are Jesus' last words to them. And we're told as they were watching, Jesus was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they are still looking up at the space in the clouds where Jesus has disappeared, two men in white appear to them and say, Hey, Why are you staring up towards heaven? That's a silly question. It's kind of self-evident, isn't it? Jesus just left in a spectacular way. Of course, we're going to keep looking. It's kind of like those firework extravaganzas that end with a culminating cacophony of color and shape and sound. Even as the wisps of smoke start to dissipate, you stare at where the show was just in case there's more. But these two guys in white, who sound suspiciously similar to the two men in white who showed up at the empty tomb asking, why do you look for the living among the dead? They too are looking to redirect Jesus' disciples. Just like you didn't need to camp out at an empty tomb, you don't need to camp out here, staring at the last spot that you saw Jesus and hoping that he's going to put it into celestial reverse and return to you. When Jesus comes back, it will be big and dramatic, and you will not be able to miss it. Now, get going. 
and they do get going. The disciples return to Jerusalem, to the upper room. They wait there, an expectant group that includes Jesus' mother and the women, as well as Jesus' family. And while they're waiting, we're told, they devote themselves to prayer. We often see the ascension as Jesus going home to be with God, perhaps for a well-deserved vacation after a long, tough assignment with us. But that's because we're looking at it from Jesus' divinity. Jesus, who took on all of our humanity, who suffered as we suffer, who experienced the emotions that we experience, who died as we will die. Jesus ascended, taking all of that into the Godhead. In Jesus' ascension, redeemed humanity has been taken into the very heart of God. We now get to participate in that divine relational dance in a way not available to us before. The ascension assures us that even though we struggle to live fully in God's presence here, we will ultimately be at peace in God's presence forever. Like Jesus, we came from God, and we will return to God. More than this, the ascension marks the end of Jesus' earthly ministry and the beginning of his role as advocate and intercessor. Jesus, who sits at God's right hand, intercedes for us with God, keeping us ever before God. And Jesus' ascension to God's right hand reveals his status, that he has received power and authority over all creation, and that he is present throughout all creation through the Holy Spirit. Jesus' ascension is not an indication that he has gone on a break until the consummation of all things, but that he has taken up his reign over all things. Further, the ascension is important to our discipleship because it represents our transition from being a follower of Jesus to being a witness to Jesus. And there is a difference, don't you think? Look at the disciples. As followers of Jesus, they were bumbling, fumbling dolts who could barely tie their shoes. They rarely got what Jesus was teaching. They had a very narrow focus for how they expected to see God working in the world. They thought they could have their worldly cake and eat it too, even as they remained committed to God. And even 40 days of following the resurrected Jesus did not change this. As our opening question to Jesus shows, they still just don't get it. But by the end of today's story, we see the disciples pivot. After Jesus has told them, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. And after the white-robed men say, skedaddle, stop looking backward to how you always thought this would be. And stop looking upward, trying desperately to hang on to following, which is so comfortable, and leave someone else in charge. It is time to look forward to how you are going to step out and witness to this good news. 
It is only then that the trajectory of the disciples changes forever. Throughout the resurrection stories, what we've seen is that the disciples are still scared and clueless. The resurrection alone fails to move Jesus' disciples from followers to witnesses. But with Jesus' ascension, all that has changed. The ascension is the revelatory moment beyond which the disciples are never the same. Jesus tells them, you will have power, and you will be witnesses. And they return to Jerusalem to wait, as instructed. No more fishing, no more fear of the authorities, no more hiding behind locked doors. This first congregation of the church gathers together, waits, and prays. Like those early followers of Jesus, we too find ourselves in the in-between time. On this Sunday, Jesus has already ascended, and yet the Holy Spirit has not arrived. It is a tag team with a gap. And so we prayerfully wait on God. Like this early congregation, we are sequestered and yet expectant. We wait in uneasy anticipation of our new reality. We are just beginning to understand the extent and timeline to which our lives have changed. As our society and our communities begin to reopen, as we navigate the space between what we are allowed to do and what is the right thing to do, let us be guided by today's example. May we hold tight to community, making decisions with humility and grace. May we say our prayers that God might empower us to witness to his love and reign in all aspects of our lives. And may we live in the peaceful assurance that, like Jesus, we have come from God and we will return to God. Amen.